listening to audio from the table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit thetabletx.com. Merry Christmas, Table Podcast listeners. Brett here. So good to be with you all. The title of my message this Christmas Eve is Holy Things in Unholy Places. I want to focus in on uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. And it says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she, that is Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So Christmas, the coming of Christ into the world, it announces that the holy In other words, that which is of God, that which is dripping with goodness, beauty, and truth, the holy has entered our world, a world that is so often not holy. It's so often marked by lies and violence, hatred, brokenness. So the holy has entered into the unholy, the broken, and then rendered it whole again. We might say that Christmas, the coming of Christ into the world, is a story about holy things in unholy places. Now, if you think about it, that's a bit strange because what we often expect is, of course, for holy things to be in, well, holy places. I remember uh, one of the first rich people's homes that I ever went inside of when I was like, I don't know, maybe eight years old or something. And there was this family we knew, and the father, he was a chiropractor, and apparently he did he did real good at adjusting those spines because <laughs> this this place, this this estate, <laughs> it was crazy. It's one of those where you like pull up to the driveway, went to visit them, and there's like the gate, you know, and you have to speak over the intercom like system, like, hello. Yes, we're the, the poor people coming to visit you. <laughs> and, you know, they like open up the gate for us and we drive on this long winding driveway lined with oak trees. And there's uh, the lake off to the left. And then, of course, there is the mansion itself. And I remember we like I just walked in the front door and I just immediately froze. A, because everything was huge. It was like just the biggest place, the living room, kitchen, just the whole setup. It was like the biggest place I'd ever seen. And B, because everything, and I mean everything in this house was white. You had white carpet, white walls. I mean, every piece of furniture, white couches, white side tables, white vases and picture frames. Uh, I mean, everything. (laughs) It was just white. I'd never seen such a place. I was afraid, honestly, to like walk inside because I felt like this, you know, kind of unclean eight-year-old boy. And so I just had this, this kind of intuition like, oh gosh, oh no, oh no, this is not the place for me. Like, do I need to shower before I walk in your house or like sit on your couches or something? Like it was, it was just pristine. It reminded me of a model home, except people lived in this one. And I did, I just felt uncomfortable. I had this sense of, I'm worried I'm going to get this holy place, so to speak, dirty. Now, what I want you to do is keep that image in your mind. But now in your mind's eye, also see the first 
Christmas and, and call to mind where Christ was born. I mean, he is, of course, the Lord of all creation, so surely only the finest mansion, a, a palace, <laughs> maybe at least a temple would do. But no, the, the Lord of all was born where? In a stable, what we would call a barn. And verse 7 says that his first bed was no luxury crib. I actually went online this week and, and looked up like the most expensive cribs in the world. Do you know if you can find like $1.7 million gold cribs? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And you, so you would think, well, I mean, only finest for the Savior, you know. No, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him where? In a manger. Like in other words, an animal feeding trough. Don't you think that's telling us something about the nature of God? God doesn't shy away from the messiness of the world. So here's the question for you. What are the places in your life where you feel like, oh, oh, no, 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 God doesn't want to go in there. No, I couldn't possibly connect with God because of that place, that struggle, that addiction, that part of my story. But here's the truth. Christ never shies away from what is messy, impure, or unclean in your eye. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Those places are precisely our point of connection. There's something about vulnerability that connects us to one another and to God. You see, Christmas is all about holy things in unholy places. But maybe for you, it's less about like a specific place in your life. Maybe it's more simply you as a whole, like you as a person, you, you don't feel special enough, too invisible, too normal for God to care about. But friends, Christmas is not only about holy things in unholy places. Christmas is about holy things in ordinary people. Again, coming back to the night of the birth of Christ, we might expect all of the beautiful people there, all the foie people, like if it were today, we would expect the Instagram influencers there and the, uh, the upper crust, the one percent, or, or, you know, you would, we would expect at least the religious elite, priests, prophets, perhaps a bishop or two. Now, we do know a few years later, some wise astrologers and like we would probably call them wizards showed up. Uh, Dumbledore was there, so I guess, you know, that's something. But I'm talking about on the actual night of his birth. Who was present? Well, you had his his peasant parents, Mary and Joseph. And then to whom did the angels announce the birth of this holy child? Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, shepherding, in case you're wondering, uh, shepherding was not a prestigious position in the first century. It was really something teenagers did for their parents. In other words, God apparently delights not in the rich and the powerful and the beautiful, not in the extraordinarily gifted or those with the perfect lives. No, God delights in ordinary people like you and like me. So don't say, I'm just, I'm a screw up. I've like made all these mistakes. I'm just, I, just nothing special. What, uh, what could God want to do with me? No, no. Christ was born, lived, died, rose again for you. Christmas is about holy things in ordinary 
people. But perhaps for you this Christmas, it's, it's less about a feeling that there are like places in your life that God would not dare enter or that you as a person just aren't like measuring up or something. Maybe that's not so much your struggle. Maybe it's simply that this year has been one of the most difficult of your life. Close your eyes for a moment and imagine your year in review. I want you to see and and feel again some of the, the difficult circumstances you have faced this year. Maybe illness, relational breakdown, schoolwork stress, job stress or job loss, someone you love passing away. Now go ahead and open your eyes. Here's God's word to you. Christmas is about holy things in painful circumstances. You see, the tendency is for us to say, well, God is present to me in the good times. God is with me, hooray, when things are awesome. But when things go terribly, God has abandoned me. When I experience pain, Christ is no longer present. But no, the truth is that Christmas is about holy things in painful circumstances. And you might wonder, well, where do we see that in the Christmas story? I mean, Christmas, it's so happy. You got Mary and Joseph, you know, and they're idyllic little smiles and the shepherds leaning on their staffs. There's no pain in Christmas. Well, verse 7 says, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. I mean, just, just slow down there. Think of that. Gave birth. Like the Son of God was born. Like actually, literally birthed into this world. The first Christmas had pain and struggle and intensity. Ladies, can I get an amen? I mean, <laughs> my goodness. I've been present for all three of my children's births. And I was just the encourager. You know, the hype man. The like, come on, you can do it. You can do it. And even for me, it was a lot. <laughs> Much less, oh, my sweet wife. I mean, my, my daughter in particular, our firstborn, she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never leaving. <laughs> it was rough, right? Childbirth is pain. It's fear. It's struggle. And then think of this, Christ was born. I mean, is that not in ways a like prophetic picture of, um, of like the, the life that Christ would lead? I mean, the book of Isaiah prophesied Christ would be a man of sorrows, acquainted, familiar with grief. He said that he would, he would bear our sufferings, that he would take on our pain. See, here's what I'm driving at. Do you know this Christmas that in every painful moment, God is with you? God is with you. God has not abandoned you. In your chronic illness, God is with you. In your grief, God is with you. In your trauma, God is with you. In your bills and your debt, God is with you. In your vehicle, you're not even sure we'll make it to the new year. God is with you. You see, Christmas is about holy things in unholy places, holy things in ordinary people, and holy things in painful circumstances. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you in all of your beauty and wonder and holiness are not cold, remote, or removed. Rather, you are Emmanuel, God with us. May that promise give us joy. May that promise make us smile again. 
May that promise give us hope this Christmas. In the name of the Christ who was born, lived, died, rose again, and ascended. Amen.